We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that we're going to see him soon. You feel me? Welcome to Budding Heads from Ramstalk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro, as always, here with Magic Johnny Gomez. Johnny, I'd say we're back, but uh, we, you know, we did a show last week. Uh, we just happened to record it a long time ago. So, uh, good to be back, man. How you doing? I miss you, Steve. I miss <laughs> you real bad. Oh man, uh, yeah, I was across the pond over in Europe. Uh, good time, but back. Happy to be back in the land where we call football by the right name. Uh, football. <laughs> You're gonna start a turf war, man. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, look, it's honestly, it's dumb that we call it football, but we do it. I don't know why they name the sport that. It's pretty stupid. And one of my biggest pet peeves is when Americans call soccer football in America. Like, you're just being an asshole, man. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's like, uh, it's like the metric system. Like, uh, 
Should we be using the metric system? Obviously, our system sucks, but I'm not going to go to the deli and order eight ounces of ham. I mean, like, that's not how it works. We fucked up. Should we change it? Yeah, probably, but it's not changed. So call call but it whatever any, else calls it. But how, how how fast in kilometers do you usually drive, man? Ah, uh, oh, man. It's it's dumb because our system is so confusing. Like it really li- is. liquid measurements, I still don't get it. <laughs> Best not to try and understand our logic. Like pint, quart, liter. Uh, I don't know, man. It it we should whatever. This is the this is very July football topic. Uh, but <laughs> we're gonna be talking about the Rams schedule today. Our four part schedule preview continues with weeks five through eight. We got Seattle, San Francisco, Atlanta, and Cincinnati today. But before getting into it, guys, make sure you're you uh, mom it's I'm rusty, guys. Forgive me. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Ramstock Radio Feed, where you can get all our shows, Rams Uncensored, uh Butting Heads Ourselves, and of course the flagship show Ramstock Radio with Derek. Uh, you can get our podcast wherever you're getting your podcast, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, you know, wherever wherever you're getting your podcast, we're there. And if we're not there, let us know. We'll get there. And be sure to give us a five-star review wherever you're getting our podcast. All right, Johnny, let's just get into it, man. Um, week five, we're at, uh, just, just to catch everybody up, I had the Rams going 3-1 and one in their first four games, losing to Cleveland in week three. Johnny had them going 4-0. Uh, but now we're in week five at Seattle. First divisional game of the year for the Rams. Uh, the Seahawks last season started out four and five. Wasn't looking great. And then they turned the ship around, finished 10 and six. Uh, really, really had a great run down the stretch uh, and ended up making the playoffs. So I'll give you the floor, Johnny. What What do you think of Seattle this year? You think we'll be back in the playoffs? I think you can't ever really count out Seattle. I, I think they just have that, you know, talent there that, you know, it, it's just going to be always a challenge, especially against the Rams. They always seem to play their best against the Rams, no matter, you know, whether it be at home or away. So the way I see it is, will they be a playoff contender it's going to be tough, but I don't think so. I think this is the year that Seattle just um, – I don't think they bomb. I think they're going to be a team that will be kind of like on, on the fence a little bit where they may squeak their way into the playoff if they actually do. But I think this is the year that we might see San Francisco overtake their uh, their place in, in second place. But we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that once we reach San Francisco. But as for Seattle, it's still going to be a tough game. Now, I mean, any time they they could be the worst team in the division, and they'll still play the Rams very tough. So, um, but I don't think they will be the worst team in the division. I don't think they got better, and I think that's kind of the point here. Is I think pretty much everyone in the NFC West did get better in some way or another. I just don't see it with Seattle. Maybe I'm being a little too harsh on them, but I, I don't think so. I, I, I think they just basically stood where they're at or potentially regressed a little bit. 
What do you think, Steve? I can't believe you like you said they're not even going to be a playoff contender. Not just not making the playoffs. Like you, you expect <laughs> them? They were ten and six last year, and I, you know, I don't think they got better. Uh, three new starters on the offensive line. It was a running attack that really kind of carried the team last year. When when you mix it up like that, you don't know how it's going to be. But I, I think it's a little harsh to say they're not even a contender, man. Uh, I pers- I don't know if I'd pick them to make the playoffs, but I, I definitely think they'll be in the mix. Uh, maybe, maybe contender might have been a little too harsh, but uh, I don't know. Like I, I just think that. I I think that there there's just too much progress going forward and them not progressing is just you know did them no favors in all of this because I I know like kind of like the favorite risers in in all of the NFL really uh one of the teams is the San Francisco 49ers and I I just think they're going to have a huge impact on the division this year not to mention I still think the powerhouse of the division will still be the Rams. So when you put all of that together, I'm not trying to beat up on Seattle. I still think they're going to be a solid team. I just, I don't think they will make the playoffs at the end of the day. So maybe, maybe saying contender would be a, not being a contender rather was a little bit harsh, but for surely I, I really struggle with the idea of them making the playoffs at least this early in the season. I mean, we haven't even reached training camp yet. So there's that there. I looking at just teams in the NFC. There's to me, there's five teams that I would be shocked that like, if they made the playoffs, which means there's 11 teams that couldn't make the playoffs to me. And yeah, you look at the list. I'd say, hmm, actually I'd say only really, if I were to say locks to make the playoffs, I think it's us and the Saints. So there's a lot of teams that Seattle's in the mix with, but you know they didn't get better, and they're not the only team in the NFC that gets better, but or that didn't get better. But playoffs, you know, it's very rare in the NFL that the same group of teams make the playoffs. And when you don't get better, if another team behind you gets better, uh, it's it's really gonna you know push. It might push you out if, if you're kind of stagnant. I I I think today I would – I don't know. I'd have to really think about it, but they're, they're right there for me, really just because Russell Wilson's so damn good, man. And when you got a quarterback that's that good, that's really that on that elite level, you can get to the plus by yourselves. I mean, I don't think Green Bay has a ton of talent. I don't like their head coaching hire, but I never count them out of the playoffs because – the man under center is just a baller, one of the best we've ever had. Wilson's not there yet, but he's certainly on track to be a Hall of Famer if he continues at this level, and I'm never going to count him out. Pete Carroll, always been a solid coach. No, I'm not going to count him out either. But I I, I don't know, man. It's, it's weird because they really didn't get better. They had some turnover on the offensive line, and the the running game was really what turned around their season last year. They finally were able to find a ground attack with Chris Carson. You know, going into next year, they have Rashad Penny behind him. You got to think they want to get Penny more touches, but even if they don't, Chris Carson's a more than capable runner. If they if they can keep that running game at the level it was last year, it's hard to count them out, and they probably would make the playoffs. But it, it remains to be seen if if they could keep that up, because historically, 
in the P. Carroll era, and especially in the you know post Marshawn Lynch P. Carroll era, they haven't uh, you know been the most dominant rushing attack in the league. That's that's absolutely true, and you know it's kind of one of those things where the the rushing game just came out of nowhere. You know Carson just kind of shocked us all. I know I, I was really shocked when he started, um, you know, dominating. And, and, you know, it says a lot because you mentioned a little bit about the offensive line who, you know, we, we've kind of been really tough on them in the past, and I'm still not really fully convinced on the, the their offensive line. But considering the amount of production that they've been able to have with the ground game, it's kind of amazing. Of course, Russell Wilson has been on – you know, the kind of the worst end of that. But, you know, I, I think that there is something to be said, you know, now that they've had, uh, you know, some room to grow there and there is some consistency there. So I do think that it might improve a little bit on the offense, you know, just because another year of gelling. But again, it's not, it's still not that impressive in terms of the offensive line. And hopefully, you know, now that the Rams have gone up against them, uh, you know, twice this past season that they are, you know, filling the holes to where it won't be that big of a concern as it was last season. Because uh, they uh, there was a couple of games where, you know, it wasn't just the Rams, but the Rams didn't exactly get the job done against the uh, ground attack. So, it, you know, that is something to keep in mind also. But I, I am a little bit more confident this year, you know, going in than than uh, last year. So that still says a lot because I was really confident last year too. It, it the the running game, uh, we obviously didn't have a great run defense last year, but we'll we'll see what happens. And to to correct the previous take of mine, uh, they were definitely pretty dominant on the ground early in the Pete Carroll era with Marshawn Lynch, but. Now, since that's kind of died down, that their success has kind of died down, and and uh, as a result, uh, last year was kind of a reformed, return to form in that regard. But do you, I'll t- I'll t- we'll talk about our players to watch here, Johnny. Mine is the rookie on the outside, DK Metcalf, uh, better known as the c- kind of combine savant this year. The guy is built. He is a freak athletically. Uh, slipped it in pretty deep into the second round, but the talent is just there. We'll see if he could put it together on the field, and I'm very curious because that guy seems like he could be a problem. He's, as I mentioned, one of the best quarterbacks in the league on his side. I'm really, really curious to watch this guy. And you know, with Doug Baldwin retiring, I know Tyler Lockett's there, but he could be the heir apparent at wide receiver, and they're going to need somebody like that. You know, uh, I kind of wanted to say Metcalf, but in 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 the spirit of butting heads, I'll choose somebody else. But I'll I'll touch a little bit on that. I actually like Metcalf, and I know for a lot of people in the draft, uh, you know, people that have opinions on NFL draft players, that uh, you either really like the guy or you really didn't care for him. And there there's a lot to like about Metcalf, and me personally. I think he is a dangerous weapon if used correctly. And I think Pete Carroll, as much as I'm not a huge fan of Pete Carroll for 
ethical reasons. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'll just admit it. it you're a UCLA fan, and he coaches I, the uh, Seahawks. It's it's the whole shebang of things you don't like. Cough, GDPD. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, <laughs> joking aside, Pete Carroll is still a very good coach, and I think he can utilize a player like DK Metcalf. If and and I think if anyone can utilize him to his fullest potential, it'll be Pete. So that said, I'll choose somebody else though, and I think for me is Richard Penny. You know, I think Penny is gonna be a a guy that's gonna see a little bit more, you know, success than he did last season, and he did see actually a lot more success than I was initially thinking. So I think that kind of one-two punch that they're wanting with you know Carson. And Penny, I think it's going to be very, very dangerous, especially you know if the if the Rams' rush defense can't stop either one of them, could be a long game. So that's something to keep an eye out, in my opinion. I, I think we kind of know what to expect with Carson, but to see how well Penny develops, I think is going to be something to to watch for. I actually originally had Penny there and switched it to Metcalf, so that's pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Penny's good, man. His his numbers, like in the second half of the season, uh, when Carson was out in, for a couple games, and uh, I'm gonna try and pull this up. So bear with me, but dude, he put up good numbers. They drafted him in the first round. I think they would have given him like you know the full tilt if Carson didn't continue what he did uh, the the previous season. He looked really good. He you know. Last year, he at, ran for 108 yards and a touchdown on just 12 carries while splitting work with Mike Davis in Week 9 when Carson didn't play. He had a stretch of games um, where he averaged 6.45 yards per carry um, near the end of the season before he, he was in, uh, limited by a knee injury. So he's good, man. And if they, if they can utilize both of them, kind of like a thunder and lightning, duo there it's a scary that's a scary backfield because like i wouldn't sit here and say i those guys are top 10 running backs but they're probably both like talent wise top 20 top 25 and you get two of those guys man that could be a nightmare too true too true i I really do like this duo and uh i i think if you have these two as a as a very successful healthy duo this could be this could be a threatening offense, and and that's probably going to be the scariest part of the offense. If I'm going to be 100 percent honest, I'm with you. Let's let's make our predictions here. Uh, this this should be a fight. S- Seattle hasn't beaten us since week five of the 2017 season. We swept them last year. It was fantastic. I'm gonna, I think the streak continues. I go 24-20 win for the Rams here. It is going to be a very close game, and um, it's it's one that I think is going to be a lot closer than we'd like to. Uh, fun fact: I was there at the game that that the last game that the the Seahawks won against the Rams. So I was like, ah, I'm just lucky, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I think the Rams ultimately win this game. It's going to be a brawl. But I, I think the Rams end up pulling this one out, and I, I think it's going to be slightly closer. I'm going to say 21-20 final. There we go. 
right, before we move on to another divisional opponent, let's talk about our sponsor, Jim Hawk and his book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Guys, I know we're all looking to consume all the Rams content we can get. We do a lot of it online, but if you're looking to get offline, this is an excellent book by Jim Hawk. Johnny and I both read it. Johnny, give me give me a quick take on this book. I'm going to put you on the spot. It's life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, joking aside, it, it's truly a great read. Like For me, one of the reasons why I um, came to Rams Talk and started contributing here is to learn more about you know, everything about the Rams, not just what I know about the Rams in modern day. Uh, I'm no expert when it comes to, you know, the past generation. So it's kind of nice to learn more and more about this. So seeing uh, or well, reading more about the past generations of of the Rams, it's really a it's it's truly a a nice book to have, especially if you're a diehard Rams fan. And I know uh, pretty much the majority of our listeners are diehard Rams fans. So if you I would, are, it's I would think really if they're a, listening to this in July. Uh, very true. Very <laughs> true. I mean, if you're a Raider fan, uh, well, then you're not welcome. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> of course, appreciate all of you guys listening. And yeah, this I've read this book cover to cover. It's an excellent book. You know, you mentioned the history. This gets you the history of not only the Rams, but really the sports landscape in Los Angeles during the 1950s, the time where the the Rams were there and the Dodgers weren't quite there yet. But you're going to learn a little bit more about that in this book. And more importantly, it's just a great story. It's a son story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Guys including Norm Van Brocklin, Tom Fears, Les Richter, and Crazy Legs Hirsch. You can find this book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywood's team. It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. The paperback is coming in September, guys. That's right around the corner. Football's right around the corner in September. You can also find this book through, you know, various other booksellers on the internet, probably wherever you're getting your books, guys. Johnny and I, as we mentioned, this book is worth every penny for any Ramson out there, but it's also just a fantastic story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. So trust me, guys, you won't regret it. It's Hollywood's team, grit, glamour and the 1950s los angeles rams week six we're back in la taking on uh from up the bay the san francisco 49ers a team that went four and 12 last year but i think johnny we're in agreement here that does not tell the full story this this is a talented roster that was depleted by injury last year and now we'll get to jimmy g in in a minute but just this is a deep team on both sides of the balls there there's a lot of talent there uh, on defense especially they added some some studs both through the draft and through free agency uh, offensively the backfield is loaded the receiving core is, is no it's certainly not top heavy but there's a lot of guys to like there i, I mean what, what do you what do you make of this team could this team make the playoffs I honestly think so. I think this is a team that's going to surge, and and I think part of it has to do with an underrated coaching staff and an underrated team in general. You know, you mentioned the injuries that plagued them last season. This had to have been the most unlucky team last year that I've ever come across in in a while, really, because 
there was just so many injuries and you know the fact that they still remained fairly competitive i know their record was 4 and 12 but if you really go back to their losses it really wasn't by much they usually stood in games for the most part and even when they you know played against the rams they there was a couple of close contests there you know it was not an easy win for the rams last year so this is not a team to overlook you know if if any team overlooks this team based on their record last season they're they're gonna pay for it dearly i I promise you that that garoppolo went down early the the guys behind him weren't bad though they both seem like they'd be backups in this league for a while but not great and even besides him just a lot of injuries everywhere on this team like you said they were very unlucky they could not catch a break, and I too think they'll they're in the mix for the playoffs. Uh, they're very much in the mix for second place in the division. I I don't see them winning it, but it's not impossible, which sounds crazy because they went four and twelve last year. But uh, you know the there's just so much talent on this team, man. Now, they were able to get Nick Bosa in the draft. Uh, they brought in Quan Alexander, a, a guy we both like a lot, uh, and it's just it's just a good team. It's, it's just a, a good, complete roster, well-coached. If they can stay healthy, uh, I am i don't know if I'd pick them for the playoffs yet, but like I said, they're certainly in the mix. But let's talk about Garoppolo. Do you believe in this guy? You know, I don't know if I buy into the hype that everyone has him. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's going to be a bust or he's not going to amount to anything. I, I won't say that at all. Um, but I won't sit here and tell you that this guy is, you know, a already proven top 10 quarterback. I, I can't tell you that because we haven't seen it. We really haven't. We've only seen a small sample of Garoppolo, and now we're having to rely on, you know, maybe seeing camp footage or whatever to really determine is he even ready if he's going to be the same guy when he comes back. So, you know, I'm not, I I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be a solid quarterback, but am I going to tell you that he's going to, you know, meet the hype requirement that everyone keeps giving? I, I think um, he's going to be a little bit overrated, but also keep in mind that he has a great, great uh, team around him. So, there's that even if he isn't as good as as everyone's saying he is he still has a great team to fall back on so um even if like i said even if he isn't that great i i have a lot of confidence that he he'll still be a solid guy yeah uh, unfortunately guys i'm not gonna butt heads with johnny at all here i literally don't think i could say it better myself there's a fine line between where or there's a happy medium between what Rams Twitter thinks of Garoppolo and what 49ers Twitter thinks of Garoppolo. Like, I, I don't really see this guy. I don't even know if he's in the top half of quarterbacks in the league. Uh, he could get there, but I don't even know if he will. And even if he doesn't, no, I think you can win with him. Uh, I think he's proven you could win with him. He went 5-0 and and when he got traded to the 49ers. He, last year, you look at his three-game sample size. First game, awful. Terrible numbers. Uh, the next two played well you know he, he wasn't uh asked to hurl really like 
win the games with his arms, but you know, high completion percentages in those two games, both games, no interceptions, two touchdowns in each. Uh, he's, he's, he's good. I don't know if he'll be better than good, but I think he's good. And in the NFL, all you need is good to win a championship. Uh, if, if the right pieces are around him and I think they are, and we'll get, let's get to our players to watch. Cause this kind of bleeds into it. This offense has just so many guys that are good NFL players. And my player to watch is Matt Breida because it seems like from a lot of people, he's getting lost in the shuffle. You got Tep, they bring in Tevin Coleman. Uh, Jarek McKinnon is coming back from injury, obviously. But Breida, man, he's he's still there. Uh, he's young. He was really good last year. And to me, if I'm, I'm the 49ers, you, know, you don't have – a ton invested in any of these guys long term. Um, you have McKinnon there, but he could kind of coexist with either of these guys. Tevin Coleman's only on a one year deal. Maybe they bring in Tevin Coleman just because he was sitting there. They got him cheap. But if I were them, I don't think I would have brought him in because Breida was pretty damn good. 153 rushes for 814 yards in uh, 13 starts, 14 total games. I did a little receiving out of the backfield, but. Uh, he's a plotter. He's able to get a lot of yards. I think he's a perfect pairing with Jarek McKinnon if you put those two guys together. And if, I, I hope he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. I think he'll do some work. But in reality, you know, it's not the same as what Seattle has with their one-two punch. But McKinnon, Coleman, and Breida could be a very solid three-headed attack. Yeah, I, you you brought up a very good point there. You know they have probably the best uh, the best running back depth in in all of the NFL. I mean those are three solid guys who can potentially be starters anywhere. I mean I, I don't really know what's uh, McKinnon's status at the moment, but you know even when he once he gets back to a hundred percent, this is this is a very big threat of a running back. And then Brita, who like you said. Uh, is one of the more underrated running backs in the league. You know, he he's going to have to fight for playing time, which is which is interesting because this is a guy that played very well last season. And then, of course, the addition of Coleman, which still kind of puzzles me a little bit, but he's still a very underrated guy in and of himself. So, yeah, I I can I can see Burita being you know a play a player to watch in all of this. For me, though. My guy is still going to be Greg Kittle, you know. And George, George Kittle, Johnny. Did I say – what did I say? <laughs> Greg. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's all good. I, I, I just couldn't let that one fly. No, I couldn't I couldn't let that fly either. I, I didn't – I even catch myself saying Greg. I don't even know where I got Greg from. But, yes, George Kittle. I, I am a – I'm really worried still about covering tight ends. I know in some regard we've, you know, somewhat answered that, you know, area, but it's still not, it's basically a band aid for covering tight ends on, on the Rams defense. So with Kittle, you know, this, this is a guy that, you know, as a, as a young, young tight end, is already being considered one of the best tight ends in the league. And for a good reason, you know, last season he dominated. 
you know, he, he didn't just, you know, make an impact. He dominated in the league. And that's, that's impressive. That's really impressive. So for me, this is going to be a guy to watch out for against the Rams because if they can't stop him, there's a very good chance that the Rams may not win this game because I, I don't know if they have an answer for him, really. I, I think he's going to get his. He's, you, know, you mentioned the tight end problem. I, I don't even know if I'd say it's been solved, but it, he's against like not great tight ends. They do some work against us. This guy, he, he proved last year he should be right there in the mix with Travis Kelsey, with Zach Ertz. Now, Gronk is gone now as the top guys in the league. Um, and we played we played them in Week 17, and Kittle had nine receptions for 149 yards and one touchdown. Uh, he had more receiving yards than uh, I'm pretty sure the rest of the receivers on their team combined um, in a game where... Alfred Morris also ran for 111 yards in week 17. Uh, but I he scares me, man. Uh and if they win, you're probably right. He they're going to have to ride him. But let's let's get to our predictions here. I go 31 to 20, a close 31 to 20, but I think it's a game where the Rams pull away at the end. Uh like Seattle, this is a team that's always going to play us tough, but I I think at home we take care of business. Uh, this one's going to be a really tough one. And I think this is where I have the Rams have their first loss. It's going to be a reality check. I know, I I, I know I'm going to get some hell for this, but I think this is going to be a reality check for the team. You know, that this is going to be the, the team that, that, you know, kind of wakes up the Rams saying, you know, you, you're you're having an impressive year so far, but there are teams out there that can that are still capable of winning if you don't take them seriously. So I think that the Rams end up losing barely 20-27-21. It's it's a tough start to the season, man. Um, so we both had them five and one at this point, but neither of us would be surprised if they lose to New Orleans. Um, you know, Cleveland. I don't think that would shock anyone. Seattle. That wouldn't shock anyone. Tampa Bay. That would shock pretty much everybody, um, but it's a tough stretch of games, and I don't necessarily know if it gets easier. At least in week seven, we travel to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Um, last time we played Atlanta, they knocked us out of the playoffs in 2017. Uh, but a lot has changed. Uh, like like Seattle, they started out, I believe, four and five, probably. Um, let, let me pull that up to make sure my friends last year. Yep. Like Seattle, they started out four and five only instead of finishing 10 and six, they lost four straight games after that went four and nine, then one out against Arizona, a not trying Carolina team and Tampa Bay. So they lost a lot of games that mattered, put themselves out of the playoffs and then you know, beat some crappy teams. If you look at their wins last year, they swept Carolina, they swept Tampa Bay, and their other wins are against Arizona, Washington, and the Giants. So a very ridiculously unimpressive seven and nine. Do you think they turn it around this year? I feel like we're asking the same question to everybody, but this 
this was a team that had too much talent. Uh, they beat all the teams they should have beat, and they lost to everyone that is even a consideration. I mean, are they in the playoff mix for you? Uh, it, it's going to be tough, but I, I think I think you know they may finish second in their division. Maybe I think they'll it'll be a toss up. Because you know clearly they're they're gonna they they're gonna have to be second honestly, but I don't know if it's still gonna be that because I I think they're in like the worst division in the NFC for sure, and I I don't know like for me I I don't I can't see them seriously being you know in the playoffs I think there's just too many talented teams in the NFC. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I don't know because, like, man, they still have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Uh, you know, the defense isn't great, but yeah, I, I'd say, you know, I mentioned there's five teams that I'd be shocked if they made the playoffs. Atlanta isn't one of them, but they're probably more closer to the end of the teams in the mix, probably tenth or eleventh, but. You look at that offense, man. You still got Julio, Calvin Ridley came along strong last year. Matt Ryan, uh, yeah, he's not that MVP player he was, but he he's still a damn good quarterback. And uh, my player to watch here is actually Devonta Freeman, who uh, at one point was one of like the best running backs in the NFL for a short period of time. They they bring in Tevin Coleman. Everyone's like, yeah, Tevin Coleman's going to take his job at some point. Just just never did. But last year, Freeman only plays two games. Coleman, you know, he kind of gets the run the whole season. Doesn't really impress. They don't bring him back. And now it really is Devonta Freeman's stranglehold on this job. And I'm really curious to see how he looks coming back when, you know, he's kind of, he has nobody breathing down his neck. Very true. Very, very true. I think uh, I think there's there is something to be said about you know having players like Julio Jones, like Matt Ryan, there and and uh, you know having that that kind of continuity there, along with uh, well, Freeman I, I think is going to do well. I, I think he's kind of a bit underrated. Personally, though, if I if I'm a, if I'm an Atlanta Falcon fan. I would want Tevin Coleman there still, but in the end, I, I think they still have a solid offense. It, it's like you said, the defense really needs to step up in order for them to really be taken seriously. And it, it's kind of interesting because this is, this is a whole different team than what the Rams went up against in the playoffs two years ago. You know that it, it's kind of amazing to see how much they've fallen since then, because this is truly not the same team. And uh, for that reason, like it's still hard to to really factor them as a you know a playoff team because there's just so many talented teams in the NFC uh, in the NFC in general this year. So uh, it, it's going to be tough for the Atlanta Falcons to really be a competitive team, in my opinion. <laughs> you hate to say it, but this team's window might have closed uh, when they blew a twenty-eight to three lead like eternally, 
with this current group of guys. I, I don't don't see them ever getting back to that point with Matt Ryan. Uh, even though I think he's good, there's just so much work to be done with this roster, and it's they're not even close. They have talent; they have a lot of talent in good places. Uh, you know, you look at their offensive line; they drafted two guys in the first round. Uh, they brought in some guy, Alex Mack, a very capable center. They brought him in. They brought in some other guys. It, the offense should be good, but like you said, the defense I don't think is there, and I think that. They're going to come to play in this game. I think they really are. It's going to be tough out for the Rams. I think if there was a candidate of a game to be close to what we did against the Chiefs last year, this game and Cleveland are probably the two games. But I think the Rams come out on top here, but it's a barn burner. 41-38. to 38. What do you got? Uh, so for me, the... Um, the X factor in this game is going to be their offensive line. I'm, I'm not going to pick a single player because, uh, the, I mean, really their offensive line in general is kind of swapped out. Like they have, a a couple rookies that they're going to probably plug in there. Uh, Chris Lindstrom going to be one of those guys. Yep. And, you know, that's to me, what's to watch out for, because if this you know, team or this offensive line gels together at the last, you know, possible minute, then, you know, this is going to be a a much different ball game, but I don't, I'm not very confident yet. Like I, I think they're, you know, anytime you have to rely on, on, you know, a bunch of, you know, players that are essentially pieced together like that on something as big as the offensive line, there's just going to be some growing pains and, I just I don't see that being a factor, especially going up against the Rams, you know, defensive line. I think this is just going to be, you know, you're going to have guys like Aaron Donald rubbing their hands together, you know, making having their way with Matt Ryan, and that's not something you want to see, you know, Aaron Donald, you know, hitting Matt Ryan. I, I think you're just going to have a shell shock Matt Ryan at, by the end of the game. So, for me, I, I'm going to take a slightly different approach to this. I think I'm going to have the Rams winning by a by a decent margin. I'm not going to sit there and say it's going to be a wide margin, but a decent margin nonetheless. So I, I have the Rams taking it uh, 45-20, uh, let's say 24. Uh, yeah, that would not shock me. Their Atlanta's defense is not good. But I, I do still have faith in that offense. And it, it's week seven. We should have an idea if that line is capable enough or not. I'm leaning up on the side that they will be, but uh, it's it's very, very TBD. Let's get to, uh, I Johnny week eight. I'm looking at the standings just just to look at the list of teams in the NFL. Is there a less interesting team heading into 2019 than the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, if you would have asked me about two or three years ago, I would have said the Cleveland Browns. Well, but, they're very uh, interesting now. But they're very interesting now. So uh, I think he's not really. I think you're maybe the Detroit Lions. Yeah, they were one of the maybe. teams I was considering. But uh, uh, no, I, I would have a little bit more faith in the Lions before the Bengals. So. No, I, I'm kind of with you on this. I, I think the Bengals are 
kind of the most uninteresting team right now. Yeah, and I don't even mean worst team in the league. I just mean like, like what's the storyline here? Zach Taylor, like basically, uh, like yeah. To me, the other teams that don't intrigue me at all are Detroit. Um, yeah, just not much going on there. It's kind of stagnant. Uh, Washington doesn't really interest me, but they have Dwayne Haskins and uh, their backfield has me a little curious. It's just the weirdest group of guys in the NFL. Uh, Tennessee doesn't interest me, but they, they're going to be in the hunt for the playoffs and Buffalo. But uh, Josh Allen, the the second coming of Michael Vick, man, uh, that that has me curious. I, this team is just so boring, man. So let's let's talk about what we can. Zach Taylor, the Rams quarterback coach from last year, did not call plays. He was just the quarterback coach for one year. Is this team's head coach? Uh, they fired one of the longest tenured coaches in Marvin Lewis. It was time. Uh, you know, he he had to go, even though he did. It was a very weird tenure for him. He had a lot of success, but he never won a playoff game. Zach Taylor is their head coach now. He he has in the NFL. He was an offensive coordinator briefly for the Dolphins in 2015, as well as their quarterback coach. Uh, went back to the University of Cincinnati, became their offensive coordinator in 2016, 2017. He was the Rams' assistant wide receivers coach. 2018, he was their quarterbacks coach. And now he's a head coach. Uh, what do you what do you think of Zach Taylor? Well, congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals because it's very rare, in my opinion, that you fire a head coach and then downgrade, which I feel like they did. You know, I'm not you know Marvin Lewis's biggest supporter. But I also don't exactly blame Marvin Lewis also either because this organization has made some of the most piss-poor decisions I've ever seen in any organization ever. You know, they don't really make good decisions at all. And this hiring is another example. You know, and and I think maybe some of the thought process into bringing in – Zach Taylor is seeing not just, you know, the Rams. Obviously, whenever a team like the Rams make the Super Bowl, you know, it, it, any coaching staff on the on that current Super Bowl team is going to, you know, try to be taken. But the quarterback's coach for the Rams that didn't, you know, call the plays. Keep in mind, they're not even hiring Zach Taylor for an offensive coordinator position. They hired him for the head coach. Yeah. It's just it it's mind boggling, you know? This this is not a guy that's ready to be a head coach. I can almost see, almost, if you wanted to hire him for an offensive coordinator. But even then I'd have my reservations because his last offensive coordinator position was on the Dolphins. That's not something you want on your resume. Let's be honest. I, so I think he, he he'd be a decent offensive coordinator hire just to see what you got. Like it's it's a swing, but head coach man, it's it's crazy. Yeah, like I said, downgrade and 
<sighs> yeah, good luck to you, Bengals. Uh, hang in there, Bengals fans. You're, you're really going to need a drink after this year. Everyone is chasing the next Sean McVay. Uh, look, I'll be honest. Sean McVay was a fluke. Not that he's a fluke, but like that kind of hire, I don't think usually works. Like Sean McVay, he's one in a million. It doesn't happen that often. You normally get a guy. It's normally a Lane Kiffin type situation when you take that swing. And like the Packers hired Matt Lafleur. At least he had a year of being an offensive coordinator. I'll be a shitty one. It took him 13 weeks to figure out that Derrick Henry is better than Deion Lewis. Uh, I I don't know why the Packers hired him. I thought it was a terrible hire. Uh, the the Cardinals hired a guy who was fired as a head coach in college and couldn't even get another head coaching job, and they made him their head coach. We will get to that later in a different episode. But this is just fucking insane, man. I And I could be proven wrong on this. And honestly... I don't think it would be – I wouldn't be that upset if I was because, you know, good for Max Taylor, good for the Sean McVay coaching tree. But this is just – like, I cannot believe they actually hired him to be their head coach. Like, I, I don't get it. What what has he done? He made Jared Goff go from being really good to great, but, like, that was probably his natural progression. And also, he didn't call the plays. Who knows how much control he had? This is clearly – Sean McVay's offense, uh, I guess it's kind of interesting to watch what he does, but, like, really, I I just don't give a shit with this team, man. Uh, Like, Joe Mixon's good, A.J. Green's good, but he's getting up there in age. Like, I get Tyler Boyd's pretty good. John Ross sucks. Maybe that changes against Zach Taylor. Probably not. Um, I don't know, man. It's... I I can I still can't believe that they actually hired him. Uh, I'd give out multiple Fs to for head coaching hires this year. Uh, probably two. This is one of them. The other one, I at least get the idea. This I just it's literally just like oh well, Sean McVay worked with this guy, so he must be good. <laughs> well, if that's all you got, then uh, good luck to you, Bengals. You're you're really gonna need it. Like, I, I just. Do you even have a player to watch here? If I had to pick one, I guess I would say AJ Green, just because you know I still think that AJ Green, if he stays healthy, he's one of the better wide receivers in the league. Uh, maybe not a top five wide receiver anymore, but may- maybe you could make an argument for top fifteen. You know, he he's still a very talented player that can explode on you if you just let him, you know, just let him th- catch the football. But, you know, I, I'm real confident in the Rams secondary now. So I, I just I don't even know if he's going to have much of an impact, especially because I'm not even sure Andy Dalton can get him the football. This is like one of the worst offensive lines in the league. And <laughs> Just the kind of string of bad luck on injuries with the with the Bengals and not retaining guys like Cough Cough Whitworth, you know, yeah. uh, I, I just you know I kind of feel bad for Dalton. It's like this that's the very reason why Dalton can't finish the season is because you you don't have you don't keep your your veterans and you know it's just like poor guy you know and then now he has to face. 
the best defensive tackle in the league in Aaron Donald. And that, that I kind of feel for Dalton that that dude's going to have to, you know, be out in the shotgun formation, like 20, 30 yards away, because that's the only reason why, you know, Aaron Donald doesn't get a sack. <laughs> uh, yeah, poor it. I'd say poor Andy Dalton, but he's made a lot of money. And honestly, he's like, all right, he's, he's not that great. Uh, AJ Green was my choice too. He last year was the first year he didn't make the Pro Bowl in his entire career, which is pretty insane. Uh, and I, if he's healthy, I think he is going to have something to prove. And all, all that he needs to do is really to just be on the field to be be a guy and be a stud. I'd love to see him uh, find his way to a different team at some point in his career. Hopefully soon, get like a second win. You know, maybe he ends up in like New England or. A contender. I, I think it'd be really fun to watch him play with somebody good, um, but he's not there right now. I, I think the Rams win this game, twenty-seven to seven. Cincinnati. I don't know if I could say they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league because they do have guys on offense that are really good, but I don't definitely don't think they're going to be good. And I think the Rams kind of blow them out here. What do you What do you got? Uh, I, I think you were being very generous there. Uh, (laughs) 27-7 is generous well what I'm about to say you're probably going to laugh but I I have the Rams winning this (laughs) 38-3 yeah like I just I can't take this offense seriously I I don't think they have an answer really and I I expect like a couple of defensive touchdowns like honestly I I think there's going to be a couple fumbles in this game I'm sure there's going to Maybe an opportunity for a couple pick sixes from maybe Marcus Peters or Akeem Talib. You know, I, I just I think this defense is gonna. You know, I don't think the Rams' defense is the best in the league or anything, but against a team like an offense like like the Bengals, they're gonna look like the best defense in the league. So yeah, I think it wouldn't be that far of a stretch to say thirty-eight to three Rams here. <laughs> hey, why not? Uh, they they are not they are not a good team, uh, and. I, I really am not a Zach Taylor believer at all, at all. So we both got him seven and one. Not too bad, right? No, nah, I mean, I I was expecting you to be a little bit more of a downer, Steve, but uh, you failed me. You're you're being optimistic now. Well, it's <laughs> I know it's it's been a long road for me to become an optimistic Rams fan, as you guys all know. But, I mean, honestly, if you look at the first eight games, it, some of the, it's going to be tougher than we think. Uh, you know, Carolina, Atlanta, Seattle, San Francisco, those are teams, and even Cleveland, those are teams that were better than. But those are good teams. New Orleans, they're going to have a massive chip on their shoulder in that game. They're going to want to kick our ass. I think we're going to want to kick their ass more, but... Uh, like it wouldn't shock me if we were five and three after eight games, um, and I just want to say, like, if we are five and three, we shouldn't be panicking. Uh, I think even if you're five and three, you still make the playoffs. Uh, there's there are tough games left in the schedule, but at this point, we haven't even played Arizona yet. So you know you're gonna get them twice. You're gonna get the team in the division again. Um, there's some tougher games down the road. But yeah, I think 
I would say seven and one at this point. I think fairly confidently. Well, there you have it. Seven and one. There we you go. heard it here first. Some seven and one bullshit. Oh, wow. You went there. <laughs> All right. Well, next next week, we'll give you guys Pittsburgh, Chicago, Baltimore, and the first Arizona game. So if you want to hear me talk about Cliff Kingsbury, that's when it's going to happen. All right, Johnny, any parting thoughts here? Uh, I'm still kind of pissed off at you, Steve. You didn't bring me any fish and chips, man. <laughs> you want me to throw fish and chips on the plane? Yes. <laughs> I think that is a fair offer. Oh, man. All right. Well, congrats, by the way, on getting Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers. Ah, you went there. <laughs> congrats to all our Clipper fans if, the, if they exist. Uh, <laughs> or maybe they're starting to exist now. All right. Well, guys, don't forget, you can get our podcast wherever you're getting your podcast. Five-star reviews, please, if you're listening. And you could... Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Steve Ribeiro. You can follow Johnny at Johnny Five Not Six, and you can follow Rams Talk at Talk Rams, and of course on Facebook at Facebook.com/RamsTalk. All right, guys, for Johnny, Steve, we'll talk to you guys next week. Tell Sean Payton keep talking that shit. we gonna see him soon. You feel me? type of drama. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.